Have you been the victim of unfair treatment by a business or a corporation? Has this ever happened to you? Hello and welcome back to the Turbo Team Podcast. Two of the three hosts are moved into college. Ben is back tonight tomorrow. I'm your host, Jake Brand, and we've just got the three originals today. How are you two doing, Alex and Ben? Uh, as good as I can be. Thanks for giving out my personal information. I can't wait to be targeted by our insane fans. Hashtag DocsBen2020. <laughs> Yeah, the the Cedar Falls community is just aching for Ben to get back to college. I don't like how you use the word aching. They <laughs> they clearly miss his presence up there. They actually closed all the bars up in Blackhawk County today. Rightfully just so they so. can all listen to uh, the Turbo Team podcast at home yeah, on the, all their weekend nights. Oh, That's exactly what they're all gonna, gonna spend their time doing. That. I'm gonna tweet that real quick. <laughs> Live tweet on the Turbo Team podcast. Oh, also, wait. follow follow us on Twitter at the Turbo Team Pod. Nice plug, Jake. What are we going to be talking about this week? Yeah, so this week we're going to be, or this week we watched Nightcrawler, a 2014 film that's on Netflix. It's starring Jake Gyllenhaal, and Ben is going to take us through the synopsis. But this movie, uh, just to say the least, is intense, and it's... Um, it's controversial. We'll just we'll just say that it's directed uh, by directed and written by Dan Gilroy. It was nominated for a few awards that Alex will take you through. The budget was eight and a half million dollars, and it made thirty seven million dollars. Ben, do you want to take us through the synopsis? Yeah, this one's off the top and dome, so I can't guarantee it'll be that concise. But the film Nightcrawler is about Lou Bloom. He's a very dedicated individual who in the first scene is shown choking out a construction or he's shown choking out a security guard in order to steal um, supplies from a construction site to resell to make a profit. Uh, He's very unhinged as it's shown. And then uh, it shows him uh, discovering the job of newscasting or not newscasting of stringing, which is collecting video footage of um, traumatic events that the news can exploit for money that they sell back to the news that they can use. Um, So in order to do this, um, he starts working with a single news station uh, in which uh, uh, the director for the news is Nina, who he uh, starts a close relationship with. And then to meet up with the very demanding schedule, he enlists uh, an assistant rick and after he and rick have been working for a while lou starts to become more and more involved in these crimes moving bodies to get specific shots and it eventually leads to him arriving at a house in which the killers uh, this is a murder happening in which the killers are still within the house and he catches information and sees their faces and gets very graphic footage of the family Uh, He uses this as well as uh, keeping the information of the killer's uh, faces to himself in order to investigate and trap them by uh, calling the cops on them so that they are confronted in public. 
Uh, this results in, in a shootout and a car chase in which Lou and Rick track down the killers, the last of the killers, uh, who crashes his car and Lou uh, brings Rick over to try and get information. I mean, not information, to get footage of the killer who's crashed inside the car. Uh, he falsely says that the killer is dead, which he isn't. So he ends up shooting Rick and then Lou tapes it all and sells that footage back to the police. And he gets off relatively scot-free in the end. It's a messed up movie. It's insanely yeah. disturbing. It was a lot longer than I thought. Like, the first time watching it, I remember it being like... Like, it felt like it went by really quick. I felt really short. But then I checked today. It's almost a two-hour movie, so... Maybe just because, like, the events, like, there aren't a huge... It's not like Infinity War when there's so many different set pieces... There's like yeah. four or five specific yeah, scenes and then the rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was the guy's name? Memento? Was this Memento? Oh wait, no, that's a Christopher Nolan movie. No, this is uh this is Mysterio. This Mysterio. is Mysterio and uh the bad guy from Venom. <laughs> yeah. The bad guy from Venom. Rick was uh the bad guy from Venom. Oh yeah, that's right. He looked familiar. I couldn't Riz figure Ar- out who it was. It's Riz Ahmad. Yeah. So just getting straight into this movie, I think that this is pretty common knowledge, but this is, I think, Jake Gyllenhaal's best performance. He is insanely good in this movie. Do you guys disagree with that? I disagree, but I'm not because it was a bad performance. I just think he's like exceptionally good in Prisoners. Prisoners, his performance in Prisoners is, you know, like jaw dropping good. I disagree with that. It's a more understated role. This one, he's front and center and like chewing on the scenery whenever he's on camera. He he steals every single scene, and he plays like the role so well that like you don't even like realize it's Jake Gyllenhaal. Like you think that Jake Gyllenhaal is a psychopath. And but he's that, just like this, well, just like he this is slimy character that you can see on ca- on camera. Yeah. I, do you guys know the the look I'm talking about? Like when he's in the car and he's talking to Riz Ahmed. And he doesn't even look over him, but he, like, turns his eyes over and kind of just, like, glares at him. Yeah. That scene, like, gave me chills. Just, like, the one look that Hall did. The Everything in his performance from his line delivery to the intensity when it comes to getting the right shot. And to just, he, he sold off this success story insanely well. I don't know if you guys know this, but... Uh, the main the main point of this movie that Dan Gilroy said was it was a success story and he didn't yeah. really care necessarily about the ramifications that came with that. Like at the end of the day when he made the movie and that's why he did the ending like he did it. It was a success story where Jake Gyllenhaal's character went from breaking into construction sites to steal parts to opening up his own business, which. Yeah. Video production news. I don't know. I just thought that was a very funny name. <laughs> very corny. It felt Mr. like Stone's it was, video production. Yeah, that's news. that's what I was thinking. Like studio. <laughs> the name is video production news. You will be paying me ten thousand dollars for the story. Friend of the program, Mr. Stone. <laughs> Mr. Stone's shout out, Mr. Stone and his honey. When you're talking about that success story element, that just made me think of like this, like this close. Um, relation between this movie and american psycho and i feel that like american psycho is like the very white collar version of the psychopathic success story 
well, this is more the blue collar version. Yeah. Like, have you like have you seen American Psycho, Jake or Alex? I haven't. I haven't yet. No. But yeah, that's just like another like well, spoiler. It's about a psychopath who like works in like I don't know like a law firm, law firm or a marketing firm, and like it's very white collar. As I saw this as a pull you up by your bootstraps, like blue collar version of like that same ethic. But yeah, a real yeah. American success story. This is how we used to get things done. And I think that <laughs> yeah, you're right, Alex. It is kind of like an American success story. Um, like in this movie, Gilroy crafts the perfect anti-hero, and the hero part comes from he's a guy who clearly struggles financially. He's always struggled to find his passion, and then he thinks he finds kind of his niche in video and in um, photography and journalism. And then he works extremely hard at it and gets extremely good at it. So that's where like the empathy part of the film comes in because he, we all know where we've been like lost as far as purpose and as far as like talent goes. And then you find it works super hard, how cool a feeling it is. And you get to see Jill Hall's character do that while also slowly, I guess transforming into more of a psychopath because clearly yeah. he was one before this started, but in the first scene, but that just shows like the thing is it, the one thing that you can't say about him and that is that he doesn't seem motivated because he, <laughs> he's one of the most like extremely motivated individuals like that you can portray on screen. Like when he's talking to like future employ employers, uh, he's very straightforward. He's very polite. Like whenever he's talking to the police, yep. mm-hmm. he's very to the point. And then he keeps making points about how he's extremely motivated and will work hard to f- make a living. But he's obviously unhinged and will do anything to make that living. I think the best way to describe him is the way he describes himself. And like, it's like the fourth scene where he's like, uh, he's trying to get hired by that construction company. He's like, let me tell you something about me. I'm, I'm a hard worker. I set high goals and I'm persistent. And that's, I think that's like the best way to describe him. Maybe that doesn't really describe how unhinged he can be, like you said. But uh, also, I think it was the Zodiac episode, maybe. Uh, I, we were talking about Jake John Hall in a previous episode, but. Jake Gyllenhaal's acting starts with his eyes and his like his eyes convey every emotion like possible and that's how he gives such good performances and because you know what he's thinking and how he's feeling just based off his eyes and this movie his eyes are wide the entire time Mm -hmm. like in no other movie are like Jake Gyllenhaal's got pretty big eyes like it's kind of a weird thing to say but it's just a like a thing I noticed but his eyes in this movie are just like like, he looks like he just saw a ghost the whole movie. And it's just, I think that plays, his eyes play into, like, you can kind of tell just by looking at the guy that maybe he's, like, not that he's not all there, but he's just kind of got maybe a little bit of a crazy side to him, you know? And he also lost a ton of weight for this film. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. that could be playing into the fact that making that's making different parts of his face look disproportioned. It looks like a uh, fucking Christian Bale, and what was that? What was that movie he lost all that? Was the Machinist? Where he lost all that weight. Oh, what? yeah, where he, where he ends up looking? Yeah, like freaking Max. Because he got he got yeah he got like so jacked <laughs> for Batman, and then he like lost it off for uh, like the Machinist, and he mm-hmm. looked like it almost killed him actually. He was hospitalized, but yeah, we ain't reviewing that movie, so let's get on with it. So 
I want to get into kind of like the journalism side of this. And the reason that this movie interested me so much was because like I've taken classes over not this movie, but what happens in this movie. Mm-hmm. And Gyllenhaal was doing his job correctly and nothing he did was illegal. Except for, well, maybe, he mo- except for he, at the end. He like moved bodies and like set up crimes though. Yeah. It. Well, I'll get it. I'll get into that. I I mean, kind of towards the beginning. So oh, as far okay, as like right. breaking into the house, that is technically legal. Mm-hmm. So in my video production class, we had like a whole week unit last year on um on video ethics, and you can go onto private property no matter what at your own risk, but. <laughs> When you go into private property, you're opening up the opportunity to get shot. You're opening up the opportunity to get sued, get fined. But mm-hmm. as far as like legally going, like he had the right to do that. And in the in the case of so the triple homicide in the house, mm-hmm. like that was at his own risk, but it ended up getting the perfect shot. But at the same time, it also costed lives. It caused damage, and there was just extremely unethical stakes. And I think yeah. that when you watch the news, something that I think I've always done my entire life is like sometimes shots. I think like, where did that shot come from? Like, how was someone in that position to take that picture or take mm-hmm. that video? And this really like dives deep into the dark side of kind of night crawling journalism where you do have to get up and do the dirty work and it takes a very special kind of breed, a special kind of sociopath to be able to like film dead bodies, I think. And this yeah. movie like digs into that super well. Breed do you guys, different. Do you guys know the name yeah. Kevin Carter? Tevin Carter? Kevin Carter. No. So he was a South African journalist back in the 90s. And mm. I guess right now, if you have it right, uh, uh, Google... Kevin Carter, Sudan, uh, famine. So for listeners at home, you can also do this too. But the image is a starving South African boy, extremely skinny. You can like see all his ribs, all his bones. And then in the background, there's a vulture. So this photographer is taking pictures. And instead of helping the kid, he took the picture. He won a Pulitzer Prize, but Three months after winning the Pulitzer Prize, he um, committed suicide. And that's where I think, like, we talked about this in class for, I think, almost an entire week, just this one image. This directly ties into Nightcrawler, and it's the, you have the opportunity to save a life, but do you end up doing your job, or do you do what's morally right? And in this yeah. case, John Hall's character always did his job. If I was in that position, I couldn't do that, though. I'll stop talking. I I've been talking enough. I couldn't either. Like uh, watching the uh, the car burning scene and the cops really, really struggling to get that lady out, and him just like literally just sitting there watching it. I couldn't do that physically. Nope. Like I'd I'd have to help. That's not me trying to seem like I'm a saint or anything, but just like I don't know. Like if I see people in distress like that, and I, 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 I'd like to help compared to make a yeah, quick buck I, off of it. I know? couldn't sit there and watch. I'd feel better about myself at the end of the day, but that's what go ties back to Gyllenhaal really having almost as like lack of emotion. Like he doesn't feel emotion in a way because 
he he films this and it's just like up oh, just work you know it doesn't it doesn't affect him at like personally like that at all and it's, i mean i i could never do that but i guess that's why they don't make movies about me <laughs> kind of lame that's where i saw a lot of similarities in this movie to joker and taxi driver kind of like yeah. the birth of a sociopath but in those two movies they had feelings like i don't think that uh jill hall's character had feelings at all mm. taxi driver's whole thing was he wanted to help people because it won't exactly it, but but yeah so this is like the opposite of taxi mm-hmm. driver <laughs> yeah if, if i'm being honest i think this was much better than both of those movies but that can be a debate for a different time yeah yeah ben what did you have as far as positives go for this i don't know <laughs> i watched this movie the day before you recommended it for the pod so i didn't like that but um uh you can't really go over it enough times uh, which is jake gyllenhaal's performance uh the scene where he loses he loses the shot to his competitor in the field and then when he goes back and hears it on the news, he just like screams and breaks his mirror. Yeah. Like whenever That's I the see most that emotion scene, he shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like <laughs> his entire face like peels back and like clenches and like, it doesn't even look like Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, I don't know who it looks like. It's just like an insane expression. And like, I just love that so much. He He's very competitive in a way he it, i think it kind of ties back to what he says he's like he's a hard worker and he's persistent it's kind of like not comparing the two but kind of like kobe in a way where like and like michael <laughs> jordan where like kobe and mj it's literally like like, yeah like if they weren't the best then they would freak out about it like it mm-hmm. it, it it kept them up at night knowing they weren't the best and that i think is kind of the same for loop loom in a way so when it comes to most professional jobs or when it comes to most uh occupations obviously there are people that are extremely competitive but you just don't see it like you do in sports in sports you are used to the camera being on the athletes almost at all times you're used to even cameras being on them behind the scenes so you get to see that kind of that competitive edge that players like michael jordan and kobe bryant had but when it comes Mm -hmm. to movies a lot of the time you just don't see that competitive side of things i mean obviously there's some like you see it in the social network you see it in here there's there's a few movies you see it but that's where i think it's really unique because there are more people like lou in the real world than you would think which i think is i think it's a very fascinating side of a movie like this and that's i think they did really well by showing especially in the scene that ben was talking about where he broke the mirror like that was about as competitive as you can get about anything so I think this movie was shot extremely well because it had the advantage of shooting the movie through a different lens, like literally no pun intended. It it has the opportunity to shoot like a normal film, but it also has the opportunity to shoot through loose character of filming other characters. And I think that that uses it to his advantage. And I really do think of community. It does that a lot in the first couple of seasons where they film the other members of the community cast and they film the other characters through Abed's camera. And I think that when you do that, if you do it right, it can look really well. What did you guys think of that artistic choice? I I thought it was shot really well too. I would agree. I think, I think like 
downtown Los Angeles, like you can do so much with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the directors, like they used the producers, they use like they knew that and they made because this movie is relatively mostly at night. Like you're they're rarely in the day in it. And it and is I, called Nightcrawler. I mean, <laughs> uh, maybe he does miss, but. He uh, <laughs> But uh, I thought I thought they used downtown Los Angeles. Be downtown Los Angeles at night is like it's sick. Like it's really 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 cool. And I think they, uh, I think the direct, I think uh, the makers of this movie really like encapsulated what it's like downtown, especially like the crime aspect of it too. You know. Um, I think going from the not found footage, but from the camcorder almost a uh, video perspective. Uh, it made you really think and what think through what he was saying. Like Lou would say, "Oh, get over here. This would be a better shot over here." Or he like moves something or moves to a different angle so you can uh, see more within the photo, within the th- uh, through the video, and you're able to see better shots that look better, and you see why he would want to go there. Mm-hmm. Or you even see shots of like you see realistically depicted accidents. Uh, recorded in a way that look like you'd be seeing them on the news like you actually see shots that he's getting and you see like oh wow that's something that i would see like on the evening news yeah so, like it really takes you behind that i really like when it would show so in the mansion scene they would sometimes show what the what the shot looked like from lou's camera and then mm-hmm. sometimes they would do an over the shoulder shot of lou so then is when you uh when you're watching it and then it would go to the TV and it would flip so it would be showing uh some scenes from over Lou's shoulder and then some or I guess most all of it was from Lou's camera so you got to see the shot twice and you got yeah. to see it from two different perspectives and I think that as far as like ingrating it into your mind and as far as like thinking about the actions and everything that was going on with the triple murder and the car crashes and the burning bushes and everything, you got to see it twice and it made you think about it that much more. And I thought Mm -hmm. that, I thought that they just did a fantastic job in this movie. Yeah. Uh, so I, one, one artistic choice that I recognize that I kind of, I really, really liked because it did make Hall's we kind of touched on it earlier, but it did make Hall's performance so that much enamoring was, he was like the only consistent character, like Nina and then Rick, and then that was it. Like, there was really no one else in this movie, you know? Yeah. So, it, like, and, obviously, and like, obviously the center point in the main character was Hall, but I think... I think if you had a bigger cast and a more involved cast, it would take away from how great this movie is. Because the thing that made this movie so great was just literally watching John Hall and just his everyday life and just trying to do his job, you know. And I, do you, do you, did you guys agree or do you like to see a bigger cast? No, I completely agree. It accomplished exactly what it needed to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, so the way that you saw the characters were through Jalen Hall. You didn't get any. I don't think you got any scenes of any of the characters by themselves. Every mm-hmm. single scene with either Rick or Nina was with um, was with Lou. So that way you not only when those characters were being developed, so was a Lou's character. And I think that less characters got developed and it was more relationships between Lou and the other characters, and I thought that they did the relationships extremely well. 
Yeah. Uh, also, Rick's kind of a sleaze bag for uh, like making Nina sleep with him. Or not Rick, Lou. Lou. Yeah. That's what oh, set yeah. you off. I don't know. I just think it's kind of a <laughs> shitty move. But, There's other right. stuff. Yeah. But... Yeah, Lou's kind of a sleaze bag all around. <laughs> <laughs> he chokes out a guy in the first scene, and you were still like, you know. Yeah. When he jumped that security guard, I was like, okay, maybe this guy is just misunderstood. <laughs> Let's hear him out. <laughs> uh, any you stood up in the theater and went, hey, hey, let him finish. <laughs> Everyone was booing him, and I was like, hey, got, hey, hey, hey. You got Let's framed. hear him out. <laughs> and then he made Nina sleep with him, and then I stood up again. I was like, all right, boo this man. <laughs> like the gift. The ultimate incel, Lou Bloom. Nah. I don't have any other... I don't have any other positives that I didn't touch on. I could go deeper into the ones that I have. I don't know if you have have anything else you want to say. I got one. Um, I absolutely love the score for this. Uh, Mm -hmm. The main theme... Very uh, intense. With that... slow like guitar riff that plays in the opening credits and throughout the rest of the movie um i love that track uh, on spotify though the soundtrack only has three songs on it it's a very short soundtrack on there but watching the film there's a lot of extra tracks that weren't included in that soundtrack and i noticed how a lot of them like you'd think they'd be very creepy like they'd be like dark and be trying to give a sort of uh, dark ominous tone to the movie but many of them were surprisingly orchestral and cinematic. Like, they almost seemed like they wouldn't be out of place in a superhero movie, not like a Marvel movie, nothing epic or grand like that, but just some, like, it seems like they'd be going, yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like they'd be for a protagonist, a cheerful protagonist, or... Almost like it seemed like the Rudy like soundtrack. Like a hero. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. No, Rudy. It's a soundtrack it's nothing, for a hero. It's, no, it's nothing too epic. It's just something uh, small scale but motivational, almost <laughs> in a way. It's very odd if you picked up on that and watching it. Cause, Bro, uh, did you really just compare Nightcrawler to Rudy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Soundtrack <laughs> Rise, that was the first movie that I thought of. was like, eh, it's not too epic. The stakes are kind of low. <laughs> yeah. I was listening what? to part of my take the other day, and they were interviewing Joe Montana, who played uh, with Rudy at Notre Dame. And he says that after they moved, <laughs> he said that, like, yeah, Rudy had that moment where he got the sack, but he's like, he was nowhere near, like, the hero they portrayed him in the character. He was like, Joe Montana was like, I mean, he worked hard, but like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, and they said, all, like now every time they see like all the old players on that team see Rudy, they just give him like a bunch of shit for it. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> what? That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, Ben, I agree with you. I was actually watching this movie with my roommate, and we talked quite a bit about the music and how just how much it added to kind of like the dramatic effect, and it. It stuck out to me mostly like when they were driving. It would there would be a lot of like gnat sounds, a lot of gnat pops with the tires. And do you guys know what gnat sounds are? Is that just like no. popping and clicking? It's uh, sound like what your bike is doing. It just stands for natural sound. So when you're shooting video, uh, 
it's more used for news, but Nat sound would be like the sound of a crowd. If you like, for example, oh, it today, just had it today. Had good. Today the Indians won twenty-four to twenty, and then it would like transition to a shot of the crowd with crowd noise. Okay, so you mean it's more just a sound design in general? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It would it would mix. This movie mixed the music with the natural sound and like the sound design extremely well. As far as like the clicking of tires or like shifting gears, I thought I thought that really stood out to me. So you were a fan of the mixing. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Do you guys have any other positives before we get into negatives? No. No. Well, I actually don't think I have any negatives. There wasn't. Wow. No negatives. No. There wasn't anything that I just... I guess the one negative I would have is it was extremely disturbing. The scene yeah. where Rick got shot and the scene where he filmed his rival nearly dead after a car accident, like mm-hmm. that was just extremely disturbing and it made me just want to look away. Yeah. But it was also very good filmmaking at the same time, so I can't really critique it. It was just disturbing and that's that yeah, uh, yeah. I, I have a couple uh one, one's an actual criticism the other is just me complaining but uh i felt some of the side characters like like people was like one or two lines like uh like in the very like i thought there's a few like kind of bad actors in this the one that mainly sticks out to me is the very first crime scene that he tries to film uh, the police officer that's just like, hey, get back, you know, like he's very, very like, it's clear <laughs> hey, this is you can't eat role. the, hey, you can't eat the fully loaded chips. It's not allowed. <laughs> hey, leave just him alone. Just walk by and be like, hey, don't do that, or hey, or, that's not that's allowed. Not allowed. But yeah, I felt like some of the side actors were just like really, really bad. <laughs> but uh, and then my other criticism is I don't like the name Lou Bloom. I think it sounds weird and it doesn't roll off the tongue. And uh, I, I don't know. It just it it wasn't my favorite name. But that's just me making that's just me getting mad at stuff to get mad at stuff. So Ben, do you have any criticisms? Yeah, guy, the, this guy's getting <laughs> mad at things to be mad. <laughs> Whoa! You want Twitter, bro? I am. Yeah. Follow Turo Team Podcast on Twitter. <laughs> I knew you were going to plug. <laughs> no. I don't have a whole lot of negatives. This is only my second time watching it, I believe, after initially watching it three or four years ago. But even revisiting it, it was really nice to. But it didn't have the same impact it did as the first time I saw it. But that seems to be a common theme whenever I'm trying to do negatives and I'm just kind of grasping at straws. Uh, it's just that it's not as positive on the on repeat viewings. And that's hard for a movie to pull that off. But I feel like that this didn't. And, but that's that, again, is just me just grasping at straws. It's nothing super significant that should have prevent you from watching this movie if you haven't for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that... Is that all we have for negatives then? I mean, yeah, I I seriously don't have anything else. Really? All right. Do you want uh, do you want to get into a rate, or do you guys have a favorite scene? I think my favorite scene is probably just the last chase. Yeah. I thought that 
for a movie that's about like a journalist and that's about like filming news, it did the car chase extremely well, like mm-hmm. better than most movies I've ever seen. And I Fast thought that. Furious. <laughs> Shout out Isaac Dyke, intern of the po- intern of the program. <laughs> no, I just I just thought it was extremely engaging. It was very intense, and it also most driving chase scenes in in movies, especially in the climaxes of movies, it's like one character chasing another. And this, it was it was Bloom chasing kind of the crime scene while also arguing with Rick the entire time. Yeah. So it it had two different dynamics and two different plots in the same thing that kind of coincided and then mm-hmm. capping it off with just like the brutal ending of Rick's life was just it was the perfect ending that was horrible at the same time. Like you you didn't want it to happen but you kind of knew it was going to happen at the same time. I think while also not being predictable. Yeah, I think Rick dying that whole scene was very like I think if you want, like, that's very telling of who Jake Gyllenhaal is. Like, like he, like Rick, he saw he saw Rick as someone that might get in his way of success, and he's like, I can't have this guy around anymore. And literally, instead of just firing him, he like gets the guy killed, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, if I had to pick a favorite scene, it'd probably be the one we talked about earlier, where he, he misses the shot to the competitor, and then it's just he saw it on the news, and then he like screams into the mirror, just because like like Ben, I think Ben put it perfectly, like like his face distorts, right? it doesn't look like Jake Gyllenhaal, it just looks like this guy that's just losing his absolute mind, you know? And I thought it's 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 a very like it's a very it's very much a scene where you just you're watching it and you just like after it's over you just got like take a step back you know be like that was that was intense so that, that was mine <laughs> mm-hmm. which is kind of a common one because that's like the most like popular sh- that's like the most famous shot from this movie so oh well that's uh, ben do you, do you have a favorite scene uh yeah my favorite scene was the i wouldn't even call it a whole scene i was gonna include half of what your favorite scene was which which was him screaming at the mirror Mm-hmm. But it was the moment after that. I th- I think it was the direct scene after that, where the following night they're out uh, uh cruising trying to find stories, and they find this van that like uh Rick is asking about. He's like, why are we going to this van? It's just one crash and it's out of the way. Like there are other more important things happening. He was yeah. like, no, get me there. And then he shows up and it's the van of his competitor that he cut and rick's like dude don't tape him he's one of us and he's like no he's a story now and Mm. then just it shows him just looking over and filming all of that and then when his competitor makes eye contact with him and it's just him staring down at him while holding the camera above him uh i was kind of cheating and including half of your scene along with that but those two in con not in contrast uh those two just uh (laughs) Those two included together, uh, the context of the scene before it, all leading up to that scene, I found like really like powerful because he had done really dark things up until that, but that's when he like purposely went out of his way to start harming people. Yeah. To that extent. Mm-hmm. Lou's he's insane, man. Dick Jonah does such a good job in this performance, man. It's it, it was so good. Oh yeah, I love I love Nightcrawler. So like you said, Ben, this is only my second time watching it. I could have sworn you've seen it more times because I suggested this to Jake 
like right after we did Jojo Rabbit. It was like the next day, and I was he was like, "What should we watch for next?" I was like, "What are we watching for next week?" And he's like, "I don't know." And I was like, "Let's do Nightcrawler." I know Ben. I, oh, did I you thought, actually? Mm-hmm. It was like the next day, and you because then. And then I think Ben asked, and he was like, "What are we doing?" I was like, "I said Nightcrawler." And then Ben was like, "Hey, I want to do something from like ten years ago." <laughs> well, just because I, I, my parents have been on my case because they loved how we did Racing Arizona, but they keep trying to push for me to do. They're like, "You got to stop doing so dark films. You got to do something more lighthearted, something older." <laughs> and that's starting to rub off on me, I guess. <laughs> well, you are their child, so. Yeah, Friends well, of the do, program, you know, do you know what movie came out in uh, ten years ago? Transformers: uh, The Dark Knight or whatever. <laughs> I'm looking it up. Uh, Grown Ups. Inception <laughs> came out, but Grown Ups also came out. So, per Ben's request, we'll be watching Grown Ups next week. I think. Uh, <laughs> I think actually the last movie of Nolan's uh, Batman series came out in 2010 too. Uh, Dark Knight so, Rises. So he released. Dark Knight Rises and Inception the same year? I think so. I could be wrong. But no, Dark it, Knight Rises was like 2012. It was... It, here, hold on. Dark Knight. We'll Google. Oh, yeah, you're right. 2012. Ch- All right. I guess typical. I'm an idiot. Typical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Alex is wrong. Uh, Alex is hey, wrong. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, hey. Hey, I got to fight you over that now. All right, so speaking of fighting, of fights. Uh, that's that's our next segment. But first, we want to get into our ratings of this film. I'll start. I'll give it a nine and a half. I love this. I I'll give it the bonus uh, 0.5 just because I'm a journalism major and this stuff fascinates me more than more so than other people. So everything that happened in this movie, along with of course Jake Gyllenhaal's per- performance and everything else, is just gravy. It's a very, it's a very good movie. I I didn't love every second of it, but I'm able to appreciate every second of it. And I think that this makes me view news and journalism in even more of a different way. And it it, it was just incredible. Nine and a half. Would you consider Lou Bloom a journalist? A video journalist. Yeah. I, I don't know if I I don't know. I guess I guess yeah, video journalist. Uh, I'll give it an eight and a half. Uh, there isn't really, there isn't really anything I have for taking off the point and a half. I just like some movies like you don't really need like a reason to rate it so like lower than it is. And I, I re- like I said I really love this movie. I thought John Hall was fantastic in it, but it's just like I don't know. It's just, there's other movies that I prefer, you know. But I like I said I really really like this movie. But so eight and a half. Uh, ben, I pass the rock to you. Y'all guys are rolling with the halves for today. The Rock from Tooth Fairy 2. <laughs> oh, God. No, he was in Tooth Fairy 1. No. The Cable Guy was in Tooth Fairy 2. Oh, my bad. Hey, Not guys, pass I... me the Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, pass me that but... Kevin Hart. <laughs> hey, guess what came out you 10 years bowl. ago? Guess what, guess what other movie came out 10 years ago? The Tooth Fairy starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. All right, Ben. Hey, can I give my rating or not? No. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I agree with all the points you guys made, uh, but uh, for the reason on rewatchability and the fact that I'm trying to roll with uh, stick sticklier sticklier <laughs> more strict uh, rankings from now on. Uh, this is a great film. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. But I'm giving it an eight out of ten. 
reasoning or just just gonna leave it at that i, I explained it beforehand that's fair <laughs> so that's gonna do it for our nightcrawler talk tonight uh getting into what we just kind of hinted at and referenced we're gonna be talking about fighting and <laughs> no no we're not gonna be talking about creed 2 we're gonna be talking about who would win a fight between actor Timothy Chalamet and Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things? Then <laughs> this was your segment idea, so I'm gonna let you uh, you go first and use your reasoning. I th- I bet you have it pretty well thought out. I really don't. I didn't put any thought into this. I just saw this on Twitter earlier that said who would win in the fight between. No, it was a. Uh... Dang, what was it? It was a uh, who do you got? Or something Timothy like Chalamet that. and Finn Wolfhard. Yeah, I know it was Timothy Chalamet and Finn Wolfhard, but the tweet was like, uh, "Who are you pick in?" And it was, it was the, the, the comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I didn't look up the stats of either of these guys beforehand. The stats <laughs> <laughs> appeared in Stranger Things. Uh, Chalamet is in the upcoming French Dispatch. What's his record? record? I don't know. It's 5'10". All right, uh, just wait. wait we need... 100... Okay, they're Finn... both 5'10". Okay, they're both 5'10". <laughs> Finn Wolfhard weighs 121 pounds. Oh, dude, Finn Wolfhard's tw- 17. And yeah. Timothy Chalamet's 24. <laughs> Seven-year difference. <laughs> dude, this is this is domestic violence. <laughs> I don't know, but Timothy Chalamet was in Call Me By Your Name. He's going to have limp wrists. All right. Uh, so first off, I looked up Timothy Chalamet's weight, and joke. it had like his whole like breakdown. It has like chest size, waist size. <laughs> so, <laughs> Bro made a two K creative player. <laughs> but uh, he's sixty eight kilograms. So let me see what that is. The pounds, kilos, and pounds. Okay. One hundred fifty. He's one hundred fifty two pounds. So he has a thirty pound advantage on Finn. I think Finn's longer though. I would take personally. I think I. I think Whoa, I'd, bro. I think I take. I think I think I take Finn. I think Finn has the arm length and the reach, and I think he's a little more wiry than Timothee is. Timothee doesn't look that coordinated. Not that Finn looks coordinated, <laughs> but he looks more coordinated. Bro, you're choosing right. a guy. You're choosing a guy that weighs 30 pounds less and is seven years younger. I think the obvious answer here is Timothy Chalamet. Well, Finn's, strangest... always riding, Finn's always riding that damn bike in Stranger Things, so he's got Dude, some he... athleticism to him. He just has, like, insane thighs. <laughs> he's just, he's just, he's just under thighs pounds. like Ronaldo. He's just got tree trunks. Just like... <laughs> the rest just looks like the brand. The strangest thing is that you got skinny thighs, bro. <laughs> Okay, Alex went gets, off of the physical he aspect. Gets, he just gets <laughs> Timothee in a headlock with his thighs and just chokes him out. <laughs> okay, you got that aspect. I'm going off of uh, personality-wise. Okay, uh, I don't know a whole lot about Finn. Uh, he does. He has a funny Twitter account, and I think he's in a band. So, yeah, that kind of goes a little okay. bit harder than so Timothy, much. who's like... <laughs> Who I don't know. He just like goes to like Met Gala's and stuff, and what he gets, uh, he gets, uh, he's the inferior to what it was Johnny Depp's daughter. Who was that one picture of him on the boat? I think it was just a model. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he was being, he was the submissive to a model <laughs> on Twitter. Okay, I, that sounded wrong, but 
Look at the picture. It's funny. Uh, but yeah, I'm going with uh, I gotta go with Finn too. Plus, uh, I think if they got in a fight, including their most famous cast members, I feel like Finn and the other four Stranger Things kids actors could beat up Timothy and Army Hammer. I don't know. Army Hammer is like six four and pretty in pretty good shape. Dude, yeah. if you put three or four kids on him, though, I think he could go down. You're telling me if that kid with the lisp and Army Hammer faced off one on one, you think Army <laughs> Hammer would actually end up with him a fight? <laughs> Grab that kid. No, just, he'd punch him until he was missing even bro, more teeth. Ar- no, Army dude, Hammer it's... would turn him into a horse on accident. No, dude, fit. <laughs> the kid with the lisp is walking up to him and then he just hears all of a sudden from behind him on your left <laughs> and the rest of the stranger kids have you ever seen that so do you remember the nbc show from like four years ago called the slap and it's just about like no. it's just about like these families are having like a birthday party for the kid and one of the kids like hurts with like this guy's son and this guy goes up and slaps these other people's kid and then there's like a whole trial about it i don't know it was stupid but someone did a show yeah it was on nbc but someone did a parody of it where he slaps the kid and then everyone's like hey and then the guy just goes around the house just slapping all the kids and then like the parents try to intervene he slaps all the parents but that's what army hammer would be like to the stranger things kids you just slap all of them until they're like dead or something i don't know Yeah, I I can't believe you guys both both think that it would be Finn. I'm going Timothy. Oh wow, what was your reasoning? So like frail looking though. I I uh, don't care about the looks. The seven year advantage and the thirty pound advantage is just it's just that much more for me. I mean, who knows if Finn's even hit puberty yet? Like that that kid could grow five inches by the time that uh this episode airs tomorrow. Like <laughs> I. Xiaomi is a full-grown man, and I think Wolfhard still still has room to grow. Like this is the argument between like, uh, yeah, Zion Williamson might be more talented than than a guy like Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant's been at this thing for a little longer. I, I mean, I don't know how many fights these guys have been in, but I'm just gonna say, just for conservative thinking, that the Zero. dude that's seven years older. That how many fights do you think you get in each year with your brother? Like I, I get. Like as I've gotten older, I probably still get in like two or three physical fights with my brother every year. That means that if <laughs> if Shalmay has siblings, he gets in at least twenty more fights in his lifetime than Finn, just on average. I feel That's, like I'm taking experience over I'm taking experience over anything, over intangibles. Shalmay's Shalmay's gonna win in four rounds. I feel like the Chalamet siblings, if there are siblings, don't fight. I feel like they just kind of sit around staring at each other with their razor blade of a jawline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I had a razor blade jawline, I wouldn't fight. I'm not really breaking like, that thing. Or have a beard. I look like, if I look like Timothy Chalamet, man, I wouldn't do anything else except for just be good looking all the time. <laughs> Okay, cool. Any any parting thoughts? I guess I'm outnumbered in this. <laughs> what parting thoughts? This is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a few parting thoughts, Jake. <laughs> I grade this fight discussion of eight out of ten. What other two? What other two funny? Uh, if you had to pit two other actors against each other, what do you think would else would be like another funny fight? 
This could go on forever, dude. Come just on. Pick, just pick, just pick one. Like we, just like right off the dome. Uh, Gilbert Godfrey versus Vern Troyer. <laughs> Vern Troyer's dead. Okay, this is my uh, Hall of Fame if they were still alive. Version. Joe Pesci versus Kevin James. As they are now. Kevin Hart versus The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> That's Dude, just that's literally Jumanji every too, movie they're in. Yeah, that's every movie they're in. <laughs> what, was the, what was that one where uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson played like a fat guy in high school and then he like got really jacked? What was that movie oh, called? Oh, uh, Central Intelligence. Central Intelligence. I went and saw that in theaters because it was the only thing playing when I had to entertain my cousin while he was in town. <laughs> oh, I was it there sucked. with Aaron. You were there for that? Yeah, with Aaron, cousin Aaron. Okay, yeah, good job. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> best movie of all time. <laughs> all right, so moving into what we watched in August, uh, number one, Central Intelligence. Naturally, naturally. Uh, so I watched Central Intelligence uh, 24 times. This, <laughs> this guy saw Captain Marvel 500 times. <laughs> Nothing stronger than <laughs> my favorite scene was when The Rock in his CGI 17 uh, year old suit looked at the camera and said, Hey, bullying, stop it. And then that it, was my favorite <laughs> scene. Central intelligence. Alright, uh, uh, Alex, what did you watch? Because I know that you watched the least out of all three of us. Yeah, so uh, moving back to school and just being busy with that and work, I really haven't watched anything. Uh, so what I watched this month was obviously the three things we watched for the podcast, Jojo Rabbit, Raising Arizona, Nightcrawler. Uh, before I left for and college... And both Blade Runners. That was, was also this month. Really? Oh, yeah, I guess now Blade Runner. Nine and Blade Runner. But, uh, and then... Uh, no, it wasn't. That was July. Because Whatever, my surgery, get over it. <laughs> my surgery was uh, my surgery was uh, July thirtieth. Oh wait, yeah, that was this month because you guys did the Simpsons. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah All right. Uh, anyway, uh, and then the only other movie I watched was Prisoners. I watched that while I was still recovering. One of my favorites of all time. It's it's so good. Hugh Jackman and uh, Paul Dano and Jake Gyllenhaal are just give such a mesmerizing performance in that. And then uh, when I, now that I'm like, when I do have free time, I, I started Brooklyn Nine-Nine again, Andy Samberg's film. Um, I think Andy Samberg's hilarious in it. I think it's genuinely really funny. It's, uh, it's like, I, I it's not as well known as Parks and Rec in the office. I think it's kind of underrated in a way, but it's, it's, it's super funny. It's by the, it's made by the same guy that created Parks and Rec in the office too. So, if you like those shows, you'd like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Available on Hulu. <laughs> Alright, uh, Ben, what did you watch since you're laughing at me, asshole? I'm not I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at my research for my part of the segment. First of all, I watched Burning. It's a South Korean film, I believe. Uh, it has my man, Stephen Young, uh, also known as Squeeze. It. He should have ate the receipt. He should have ate the receipt. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> uh, it's a Korean film. I've never read The Great Gatsby, but I feel like it's that plus murder. And yeah, it was a There's very... Murder in the Great yeah, Gatsby. there is Great Gatsby. <laughs> okay, well, I didn't You could read it. didn't pay attention in American Lit. I didn't I've never American seen it, Lit. I know there's murder in it. Well, anyways, 
<laughs> this is Korean Great Gatsby, and I've never read The Great Gatsby, so don't take my word on that. Uh, it was an alright film, had good performances, but it was so long. It was over two hours. It was almost two hours and 30 minutes. Um, I watched that film, uh, <laughs> and then my brother and I got a very trash-free uh, TV streaming app to try and watch a basketball game or something. I forgot. And we ended up watching hashtag love swag. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very bad <laughs> film. It has zero reviews on any <laughs> account on <laughs> Google. The plot of the film <laughs> is that a legendary mogul who can bed women at will develops. Uh, he develops. Uh, what are they called? Uh, prost. No, not prostate. Hemor- oh yeah, he uh, develops hemorrhoids. And he tries to get his groove back, but he meets a woman eager to stay by his side and nurse him back to health. Oh my gosh, that sounds horrible. (laughs) Just Google hashtag love swag. It's awful. (laughs) (laughs) It's so bad. Yeah, sure, do it. Uh, Completely changing tones after that, I watched Little Women uh, by Greta Gerwig. I still need to watch it. Still need to watch it. That's on you, bro. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the rumors are true. It's really good. Uh, don't let the fact that it's a period piece uh, put you off. It's very captivating, even though you may not be interested in that timeline or uh, just the story about four women in that age. But yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it does. Uh, Ocean, I also watched Ocean's 12. Um, <laughs> That's all woman one. What? That's all woman one. No. What was that? That was Ocean's Eight. That's the that's the that's the first one. That's the second one that was chronologically released. Chill out. Get off Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but after uh, I remember watching Ocean's Eleven like a year ago. So then like I pulled this up with my mom and she was like, "Yeah, I was watching it and it's okay. It's got a good cast, but like it's not as good. It's a lot more messy than the first one. It's all right. It's a cliche heist movie." After that, I watched The Usual Suspects with my man, Kevin Spacey. Uh, it was from uh, 19... <laughs> he, he's need, still in the news, right? We need Isaac to write up a PR statement now. <laughs> I apologize for saying Kevin Spacey was my mans. Kevin Spacey <laughs> is, in fact, not my mans. <laughs> Kevin Spacey is not my mans. I had never met Kevin Spacey. <laughs> just, just heard about Kevin Spacey. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, it was a good movie. Uh, it's kind of a spoiler, but there's a big twist, and the plot leading up to that is very good. It's nice. Uh, I also watched Taika Waititi's other film after watching uh, Jojo Rabbit. We watched uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. Uh, it's a very good film. I don't really know how to explain it. Um, it's about... It's on what? It's on Hulu. I'd recommend it to anybody. If you like Jojo Rabbit, you should watch Hunt for the Wilder People. Uh, it's a good film about a uh, uh, foster kid lost, not necessarily lost, but uh, trying to outrun the authorities and the New Zealand bush. And yeah, super. What good. if I didn't like Jojo Rabbit? Don't watch it. I don't care. <laughs> uh, <laughs> after that, I watched Spider Verse. That speaks for itself. Good, good movie, book. great soundtrack, good animation. It's got uh, X-Men, 
Rest yeah, in it peace. has X in it. <laughs> John <Yeah. Bernard> <laughs> I don't remember that the first time I watched it, but this has X in it. Like <laughs> Friend of the program, XXX Tentacion. Is that before or after his domestic abuse stuff? <laughs> It's after his domestic abuse stuff like was before he gave 2014 2015 yeah whatever uh, after that i'd never watched it before whatever. but i watched a uh, pop star never stop stopping it's funny <laughs> it's really funny yeah it's really funny like i always put it off because i thought it'd just be like a one-off joke but mm-hmm. it can i mean it kind of is but i love the lonely island uh hot rod's amazing and pop star was like it wasn't on that level but it was very good for the new route that it took in trying to do a fake documentaries uh, lampooning the whole pop star era of like 2010 and early late 2000s just like looking at pop star it looks like it's just gonna be a stupid movie like i remember seeing it and i i liked andy sandberg and i was like that just doesn't look like a good movie you know it looks stupid and then i watched it and i was like oh that was like actually pretty good it's like they did it stupid on purpose yeah yeah they're very very self-aware i think that's what makes their movie so great there's like good humor behind it too mm-hmm uh, Jake, what'd you watch? You're gonna keep playing with your knife. So this this uh month, I obviously watched the five films that we watched for the podcast: so Blade Runner, both Blade Runners, Raising Arizona, Jojo Rabbit, and Nightcrawler. But other than that, I watched the the classic Shrek. Uh, we <laughs> had a we had a uh, youth group movie night at the theater where where we went and watched Shrek. Forgot how good of a soundtrack it is outside of the obvious uh, uh, all star, but everything like... else, everything else in the the movie as far as soundtrack goes is it's pretty it's pretty good. It's uh, funny. It's actually funny. I'll say yeah. it. No, it's, besides it's the a cringy meme humor, it's actually funny. <laughs> no, it's a funny kids movie. Uh, after that, I watched a not so funny movie, Eighth Grade. Uh, <laughs> insanely good. No, it's funny. It, There's some funny bits. There's some humor in it. It's, yeah, it's, it's like a, it's awkward humor. But that bit where well, they're Ellie's, in eighth grade. Everyone's awkward then. That bit where Ellie sees her crush and the music starts playing. I die every time they yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So I watched No Country for Old Men for the first time. Oh, greatest movie of all time. What'd you Thing. Not the greatest movie of all time. Really good. Oh! I, I I liked the ending. I thought the ending was pretty good. I I kind of had to think about it a little a little bit. It's so you the thing. Do you understand? Do you understand the title? Yes. Uh, they mentioned it. A lot of people don't At understand. The end. No. So it's pretty much the way that I interpreted it was that the sheriff wanted things to be like it used to be and it was kind of like based off of older older westerns and that like uh the way things used to be where like the sheriff would always win or like the good guy would always win but now things are kind of like the opposite so there's that's kind of how i interpreted it is that what you think yeah tommy lee jones's character he plays the sheriff he uh you know, and throughout the whole movie, he's talking about how he's pondering retirement and eventually, like, chasing down Anton Trigger. He gets to the point at the very end where he, he finally realizes this isn't a country for old men. Like, it's a young man's game now. And maybe yeah. it, it's time for him to call it a career. So, yeah, that's where the title comes from. I think that's genius. It took me a lot. It took me a few watches before I finally got it. And then I still even had, like, look it up to make sure I understood it. But it's that's impressive you got on the first time. Maybe I was just an idiot, but I don't know. No, I, I watched a couple videos on it before. Mm-hmm. I was able to interpret it fully. 
After that, I watched Shutter Island, which was, I think, probably the best movie that I watched uh, this month. Very good thriller. It's something that Scorsese hasn't really done before, and I thought he he did it very well. DiCaprio sold the performance. Um, I think he deserved an Oscar for this one, and that's probably not that unpopular of an opinion. It uh it touches on kind of like the psychological thriller of it more than kind of the traditional uh, Scorsese movie that we're used to. Uh, it's very uh, it's very Christopher Nolan-ish, isn't it? I yeah, mean, that's that's kind of what it felt like. It felt a lot like Inception. Uh, as far as even just dreams go and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, after that, Jojo Rabbit already talked about that. Uh, I watched The Lobster. Probably the, <laughs> yeah. weirdest, the weirdest movie I've watched since Sorry to Bother You. It is Whoa. a crazy concept. And I really liked... I know Ben and I haven't talked about this yet. I really liked the parts in the actual hotel, but I wasn't really a huge fan of everything in the woods. But Dude, we the talk, woods parts were so funny. <laughs> we can talk about that more off air. Yeah. So watch Nightcrawler. And then American Graffiti. The other night, George Lucas's first film. It was hilarious. It was like... It made me just question my existence on how George Lucas wrote the prequels and this movie. Because the the writing in this film is so witty and so creative and so good. And mm. then we all know what the prequels is. I thought that... It was a very low stakes movie. There wasn't really that big of a plot to it, but I thought it was pretty funny and I enjoyed watching it. And then finally I watched Get Out, which is insanely good. Jordan Peele makes the best horror movies. <laughs> Shout out Future Survivor, the program, Joe Minky. So that all you got then, Jake? Yep. All right. Uh, before we go, so we talked about how in Nightcrawler, Jake Gyllenhaal wasn't nominated for best performance. Would this have been twenty? Would he? The movie came out in twenty fourteen. Would it have been up on the twenty fourteen Oscars or the twenty fifteen? Twenty fifteen. Okay. So twenty fifteen. The so the twenty fifteen best actor, actor nominees were Michael Keaton for Birdman, Eddie Redmayne for Theory of Everything, Benedict Cumberbatch for The Imitation Game. Bradley Cooper for American Sniper, and then Steve Carell for Foxcatcher. I think he should have been in, in there somewhere, you know. <laughs> Chris Kyle. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen the theory of Eddie Redmayne won for Theory of Everything. I don't know if that was a if that was a surprise win at the time. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen the Imitation Game. I haven't seen. Actually, I've only only seen American Sniper here, but I don't know. This good of a performance, I feel. Was deserving of an actual nomination. Did you know that Gyllenhaal doesn't have an Oscar? I mean, this this would be his best bet because he is the lead. Yeah. In the, well, I he's think the, this is his best he's lead, the lead role. Lead in, uh, he's the lead in Zodiac. Yeah, but I don't think he was the clear lead. I think you could have argued Ruffalo is the lead in that movie, too. And I don't think yeah. that his performance in Zodiac was anywhere near this. It was good. Don't get me wrong, mm. but I think that this was his. Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, Southpaw is that was 2015. Uh, Prince of Persia. Oh no one. Prince of Persia was terrible. So that was a joke. Yeah, I've End never of seen Watch. It. Have you ever seen End of Watch? Mm-mm. It's yeah. a really really good enemy. Uh, Nocturnal Animals. So there, he's had a few that he could have jarhead. He's got he's had a few that he could have been nominated for. 
Uh, but I probably agree with you that this was probably his best chance of winning, and you just he wasn't even nominated. That's insane. The yeah. disrespect Jake Gyllenhaal receives from the Academy is insane to me. I actually watched, I watched a review of this movie like in real time, like the day after it came out. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who it was, but he's like, if Gyllenhaal doesn't even get nominated for an Oscar for this, like they deserve, like they need to rethink the Academy completely. Yeah. And then he, he wasn't. As it goes on, he wasn't nominated. Yeah. It's that's insane to me. I don't know how you can't nominate it. The movie made almost forty million dollars at the box office, so people saw the movie mm-hmm. and they still didn't even nominate him. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's surprising. All right. Anybody have any parting thoughts? I don't believe so. Ben, you got anything, or are you just gonna scroll on Twitter the rest of the episode? All right. Good talk. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, Ben. Uh. Next week, Alex and I will be back because uh, Ben got kicked off the show for uh, (laughs) unprofessionalism. (laughs) We want to thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Turbo Team podcast. Uh, We will be back next week. Again, follow us on Twitter at Turbo Team Pod. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Turbo Team podcast. Our social medias are linked in the bio. Follow us on Twitter at the Turbo Team Pod. You can listen to all episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform where podcasts are listened to. Thank you for listening.